Hello again, everyone. This is Tom Funk, author of 50 Hikes in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Thanks for joining me on Trail Tales. Today's episode comes from Million Steps, which is a travel narrative of my hike across Michigan's Upper Peninsula, which eventually did inspire the book. Well, I'm still making my way across the UP using paved roads. I am now moving my way through the Marquette area, and I'll be visiting um, a relative of a friend of mine, and his name is Buck Todd, and we have a nice conversation today. So let's get uh, going and hit the trail today. It is August 7th, 1998. I'm going to start where I left off yesterday at a road intersection at County Roads 553 and 443. I'm going to finish in a little burb called Scandia on US 41. I'll hike 12 official miles, but I'll have an out and back of 2 miles to get to Buck Todd's house. Grand total of 14 miles. Trip total, 241.3. A little bit of bugs today, mostly uh, because I'm going to be around the Chocolate River. Uh, I gave it a bug rating of 2. And weather, cloudy, intermittent rain, high of 72, low of 60. And again, yeah, I'm still walking paved roads. The Lake Country of Michigan. Handsome as a well-made woman, dressed and jeweled. That is from Travels with Charlie, written by John Steinbeck. And if you've never read Travels with Charlie, it is a great book. Highly recommend it. I roll out of bed at 7.30 a.m., and now it's seeming uh, like it's easier and easier every day. Um, I did find it necessary to make uh, some racket to make up for the boisterous, now-sleeping teenagers that rained down on us in the middle of the night. They were scattered all over the place, some in tents, some on the ground. There's even a couple sleeping on a picnic table. So I burp, slam the toilet seat, bang the door. Mission accomplished as they started to wake up due to my hullabaloo. Inconsiderate? Yeah, it was. Damn humans. Sean dropped me off where I ended yesterday. This is getting to be a neat way of hiking. Just walk, find me where I'm located at 6 p.m. and pick me up. Today's agenda was to make it to Buck Todd's place and spend some time with him. Sky is ominous, though. It looks like it could rain heavily at any moment. My feet continue to pulsate more and more, and I begin to feel more tired than usual. Maybe it's because I've not slept well the past couple of nights due to all the drunken behavior at the campground. You know, sleep is critical for me to perform this grueling exercise. Without my sleep, and good sleep at that... I'm not worth a shit the next day. Well, today is one of those days. Walking towards US-41, I grasp that if I don't stretch out and take a nap, I am going to be smarting later. Interestingly enough, I have not had a two-hour nap since the beginning of my trip. My routine has changed. I usually eat for half an hour, take a half-hour nap. That's it. Well, I find a trail running next to the electric right-of-way. The road has been smoothed out long ago, but the adjacent terrain is quite hilly. In fact, it looks sandy instead of rocky. There is a telephone pole sticking out of some white sand on a small hill. It invites me to take a nap. So I do. Two hours later, it's around 11 a.m., and I was hoping to be at Buck Todd's by noon. 
Looks like I may be a little late. I'm in a zone until I reach Beaver Grove, where County Road 480 meets its big brother, US 41. There's a Sunoco station complete with a convenience store. No wonder why I'm not losing weight on this trip. I keep stopping into these places and buying junk food. I take my pack off. I set it under a window near the front door. There's a wooden floor and a roof over me. I walk up to the counter, and I buy two Cokes and some beef jerky. Any gas? The clerk alerts. I don't think he enjoys schlepping on slobs like me all day. But hey, I walk here from Ironwood. How often does that happen? No, I say. I figure they can figure out that I'm not on foot. I'm not driving, actually. That I am on foot, and I don't need to tell them that I need gas. I stride out onto the stoop. Now it's raining. A boy, thin and about 13 years old, rides up on his bike, soaking wet. The teenager is wearing blue jeans, a red t-shirt, and has brown hair. Raining? Yeah, it just started, he says. Sky opened up and let go downpour. I'm glad I'm out of that, I say to the boy. Me too, he says. He stands there, rather silent, just gazing into the ribbons of water streaking towards the ground. I wonder what big adventure he is on. The downpour lasts about half an hour, and we both stand there idly watching the streaks hit the ground. Being late, I put my gear back on and head toward Bucks. He lives on Green Garden Road on the Chocolate River. In fact, Green Garden is an actual location on my map. The area has several farms, and the road is paved, leading me through an immeasurable acreage of farmland. An agricultural community in the early part of the century, all that remains is a church and a cemetery. I turn onto Green Garden Road. There's a farm on my left, and out come two dogs to greet me. One's a black lab and yellow, a yellow lab. The yellow lab has raised lips as it walks towards me. The black lab stops about 20 feet from me and lets its com compatriot approach me. This is the first time on the whole trip that dogs have actually crossed the road to greet me. All the other dogs were restrained or would not cross the road. I have a sense of trepidation. This yellow lab, about 30 pounds overweight, still has its lips raised, baring its teeth, but it isn't growling. I tightly grasp my stick in case I have to use it. it walks right up to me and sniffs. Taking a good look at the dog, it appears to raise its lips to facilitate breathing, and it seems to be a very friendly dog. The black lab comes up, checks me out, I turn to greet it, and it runs off. So I continue to walk, and the dog dogs eventually got bored with me, and they go back to the house without tearing me to shreds. Nice to run into nice dogs. At the top of a plateau looking downhill towards what is probably the Chocolate River, I notice the farmland yields the cedars, spruce fir, and tamarack into the valley below. The Chocolate River derives its name from a French fur trader, M. Choquette, who lived in the area. I walk down the steep hill, the trees around me a welcome sight. Not a car to be seen. Very few occupied houses are in this desolate area. At the bottom, a tea-colored river, the Chocolate. The tannic acid from the cedars and tamaracks give this water its color. The water is very low, and it looks like it could be five feet deeper and uh, still not overflow its banks. I see a mailbox labeled 421, which is Buck's address, but there's no house. Investigating, I see a sophisticated footbridge leading from the mailbox into the trees. I was told that he lives literally in a tar paper shack. I aim to find this hovel. 
I walked across the bridge over the river, and I noticed the tall trees, mostly cedars and spruces. I descend to the plain below, and to my right is a mowed lawn with two buildings. One is a fake log cabin. The other is a, the celebrated residence of Buck Todd. It really is a tar paper shack. It is a very small dwelling covered in, well, tar paper. The roof looks like it is in respectable shape. Um, there's old wood planks or stairs, and I walk up and knock on the weathered door. Next to it, a painted wooden goose. I hear uh, steps walk up, and the door opens. Come on in, says the gravelly voice. I open the door, walk in, and there's Buck, sitting up on a day sofa. About 85, he has a crew cut of gray hair. Toothless, he wears a long-sleeved blue shirt and blue jeans. His face shows that he has not shaved in several days. His shoes are a light brown, well-worn, showing a prominent hole in the right big toe. Come on, sit down. Sit, sit, says Buck, pointing to a small iron chair. He sits in a wooden lounge chair. Please excuse my odor and dirtiness, he says. Oh, no problem, Buck's, Buck says, waving at me as not to worry. This is a three-room cabin complete with phone and electricity. Our conversation is held in the living room, which is... Uh, basically small, and it has a table looking out um, a brand new Anderson window, of all things. Uh, there's a day sofa, you got Buck's chair, and a TV in the corner. Along the wall, a few stands covered with simple tap tapestries. Uh, this room leads into the kitchen and what appears to be his bedroom, which is very dark. I'm already jealous of his lifestyle. So down-to-earth, nothing extravagant. Well, Mr. Todd, I say, I was hoping we could just talk about some things you've done about your lifestyle, those types of things. Sure, sure, he says. I start by asking the usual questions. Uh, you know, where were you born? And he says, Reed City. Uh, how long have you lived here? And he says, uh, over 30 years, etc. Um, unfortunately, I could not keep Mr. Buck on the same topic for long. Um, I am most interested in the stories about uh, living in a logging camp before the advent of heavy machinery. Uh, Mr. Todd was an old-time lumberjack, one that worked on a labor-intensive operation in the Upper Peninsula. I listened to a few comments on the topic before he changed the topic to something else. We were much careful about what we were doing. These days, they destroy more than they harvest, he says, his toothless grin showing. We sit and babble for several hours about potato farming, his hunting experiences, and how he manages to survive in the shack. I still cut my own wood, I still mow my own grass, and shovel my own snow. Can't complain. I found out he burns about eight cords of hardwood each winter. His conversations are hard to follow, still. And uh, this reminds me of uh, when I visited my grandfather in Florida about three months after my grandmother died. Grandpa... One not to turn down a Scrabble game did so. Uh, his conversations were choppy, and I was uh, concerned, so I, I called my dad after I left, who called my uh, Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe went down to visit and took Grandpa uh, to the doctor. Um, apparently, Grandpa had a mild stroke. Uh, soon after, he sold his house and moved into a nursing home. As we talk, he interjects a phrase over and over again. Good times, good times, and more good times. I cannot complain about my life. He says this phrase over and over again during my visit. I am sure Mr. Todd enjoyed my visit as I did. I will never forget him saying, I had fun times, good times, and more good times as his life mantra. We walk out onto the porch. Can I get a photo of you next to your woodpile? Sure, he says. 
He hobbles down and stands in front of the woodpile, which is sheltered by a small shack. You cut and stack this all on your own, I ask. Yes, I did. My back has been giving me a little problem lately, so I only have enough to make it through this winter. Usually, I have more than I need. I take the picture as he wears a wide, toothless grin. Well, I think uh, you do more for yourself than most people my age. He walks back onto his porch. I sit to put my pack on, and it's about 4.30 p.m. Buck, I really want to thank you for allowing me to visit. I promise to write when I get back. Okay, I look forward to it, says Buck. I shake his hand, and I am off to hit the trail. Well, that was a very nice experience. Looking at him and talking to him is like going back in the past. Uh, this man has seen some rough times, even living during the Depression. Makes my walk and my life look insignificant in comparison to what he has seen and done. I backtrack towards US-41. I make it up the hill back towards the farmhouse with the dogs. This time, no dogs, but it does begin to rain. Screw it. I am not putting on my rain wear. It's warm and it'll probably stop soon. About five minutes go by and I stop to take refuge under a maple tree. It's raining lightly and every once in a while it comes down in buckets. I feel like I'm playing a version of Frogger going from tree to tree to stay somewhat dry. Back onto US 41. I have to walk in the gravel which is in very poor condition. My feet are in tremendous pain probably because I stopped for so long and took a break. I use my walking stick to take weight off my feet, particularly my right foot today. With every step of my right foot, I take some weight off of it by pressing down hard on my stick with the force of my clenched fist. Looking for a place to rest, I see none. Many houses along the stretch, uh, but there are no guardrails or parks to take a load off my feet. I walk through the burb of Yalmer, expecting a gas station. Well, there is one, but it's long since closed down. Yalmer was settled shortly after the Civil War and was named for Yalmer Brahmin, whose family still operates a farm in the area. The next bird is Scandia, and that is the town that he lives in. Better yet, that is the post office that delivers his mail. Scandia means little Scandinavia. I keep walking, meditating, and the pain starts to cut into my meditation. Instead of thinking of my goal for the day, I think of how soon it will be till I am done. Constantly looking at my map, measuring, hoping I would make it to my destination. Today, it would be the intersection of M94 and US-41, or 6 p.m., whichever comes first. Heck, Sean could pick me up right now, and that would be fine with me. Walking, walking, pain, pain. Then, this thought entered my mind as the pain keeps increasing. This is intolerable. This is crazy. What the heck am I doing this for? I start thinking of quitting. Could this be it? I'm wet. I'm tired. I hurt. I stink. My clothes are dirty. I'm sick of these roads, the cars, the fumes. I need a trail. I'll even settle for a forest road. My feet really hurt, and it's because of the stupid pavement. I start to concentrate on cars coming from the south. Where's Sean? Hurry up, buddy. My feet are killing me. But I continue looking at cars. 5 becomes 5.30. 5.30 becomes 6. Another premonition. The next car I see will be Sean's. 
Well, I think the pain had an effect on my powers because the next car was not Sean nor the next, or the 20 after that. At 6.30, I find myself in front of an abandoned Wix lumber. That's it. I am done for the day. I take my pack off and park myself on the apron. I am not moving another inch. No sooner than I sit down, I see Sean crest the horizon in his Honda. I stand to give the appearance that I'm hiking. <laughs> I don't want him to know that I'm thinking of quitting. How close am I to M94? About one and a half miles, says Sean. Shit, so close. But my feet feel like they've been through a blender. Now that we are on the other side of Marquette, Sean has set up camp in Awe Train at the National Forest Campground there. Sean and I visited this place once to do the Songbird Trail back in the day. The Songbird Trail, it's a, it's a interpretive trail where you can rent a tape player and a cassette tape and take a self-guided tour learning about birds. At designated places, you play the sound of a singing bird and it attracts the real deal right to you. I remember when uh, we did this, we got a winter wren to come right to us, even though we never saw this dweller of thick forests. I am so whooped. I long for a beer, a duff-covered trail, maybe a Coca-Cola. I'm going to White Laughing Whitefish Falls tomorrow, says Sean. That's where you're going to end your hike, right? Sean asks. This warm feeling travels through my body and my feet no longer hurt. Yeah, that is where I get off these stupid roads and I get back on the trails. An idea hits me. Sean, check out the trail there and see if you can find it and give me a report tomorrow. Okay. We arrive at Autrain and our site is just beautiful. On the lake, under an assortment of large trees, mostly hemlock beach and white pine. Wait a second. Beach? This is the first beech tree of the trip. They do not live in the western upper peninsula. There's a tarp over the tent and our picnic table. We eat and we settle into a nice fire drinking chimay and other fine beers. My feet don't hurt so bad right now. Emails from Don. Report number seven. Date August 8th, 1998. Not much news this time. The weather was shitty, cold, and rainy. <laughs> Some redundancy here, I think. Tom had to wear his rain gear for the first time. He anticipates being in Musing by noon on Monday. Report 7.5. Date, August 9th, 1998. Well, the weather has turned. Marquette reached a record 87 degrees yesterday. So if Tom is wet and miserable, the water is sweat. All right. Uh, the interesting thing about uh, uh, Buck Todd is I, I promised to uh, write him after my trip. And at Christmas time, I sent him a photo and a Christmas card. And maybe a couple months later, I got this strange letter from someone basically asking me who the hell I was and why I was writing her dead uncle. And I wrote her back. And explained to her, you know, who I was and how I came to know Buck and my visit and everything. And then she wrote me back and basically said, I think you're probably the last person to see him alive because uh, he died shortly after my visit. The other cool thing is the Songbird Trail in Autrain. I learned many years later um, a local forester that I uh, had a lot of business dealings with. Um, his name is Jim Bruce, and he's the one that actually designed and got that trail put in there. So I thought that was uh, pretty cool um, that uh, um, 
you know, I knew the person that actually put that trail in, and it just goes to show how small of a world we live in. All right, that's another episode of uh, Trail Tales, and we will uh, continue this tomorrow with uh, one more day of road hiking, and uh, hopefully I'll hit some trails and, and I'll get back to normal. All right, thanks again for joining me, and uh, we'll see you again. Thank you.